the dice have all been tucked away, but there's still more beer to drink. It's time for a postcast. <laughs> Wherein the players chat about role-playing, about podcasts, about private jokes, about this and or that. Tonight's postcast features DM Scott Sharplin and player David Faulkner. So, you were uh, telling me about podcasts, a podcast that you listen to already, another live play podcast. Yeah, so I've... I've certainly listened to, listened to Crit Juice. I don't have a lot of experience with role-playing podcasts outside that one, so it's uh, 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 just uh, uh, one sample point. Is Crit the, Juice D&D? Crit Juice is D&D. Yeah. And uh, it feels like a group of players that are very experienced at improv. There are probably a bunch of actors in that group. Right. And the, in the episodes I've listened to, uh, they start with a bit of dramatic music, then they get into their gameplay session and they stop with a piece of dramatic music. Yeah. Um, and that's the substance of the whole thing. And it feels like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, if they do candid stuff outside, I guess I just haven't heard it. And mm-hmm. uh, I, maybe I, just, I need to listen to more of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of other podcasts will often release this sort of back chatter as bonus episodes if they have subscribers or patreon donors but i i already know well in advance that uh, we're not worth any money to anyone so i'm i'm you know we'll just drop it all we'll give it all away for free i learned that so long ago Absolutely. <laughs> it's important that we not have, get above our station <laughs> i i in defense of role players who are not professional actors though uh, i think some of the finest live play podcasts are just buddies uh, there's one called the Adventure Zone, and it's the same guys who do the podcast, my brother, my brother, and me. In other words, three brothers, and they get their dad to play D&D with them. I've heard is, of that one. Right. I it's a great heard it. premise. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and they have a great time. Um, you know, they're, they're funny in the way that a bunch of brothers or guys who know each other really well are funny with each other. You know, yeah. uh, they're not trying to be comedians, and they're not trying to put on accents and such. They're just... <laughs> shooting the shit um there's another one um called one shot which tries different rpgs sometimes just for one podcast or sometimes it takes them two or three parts to go through an evening of playing a particular game and they spun off to another podcast called campaign i'm not sure if it's still going on it's a star wars rpg um and it has actually it has a lot in common with the mandalorian except it started you know five years ago so they they came up with it first um do you listen to other podcasts besides live play i'm uh uh, a big so i listen to a lot of news podcasts but when Mm -hmm. i get tired of the doom scrolling uh feel of that i do listen to welcome to night vale oh yeah Um, i have listened to truth it is still going yeah neat uh, the truth is really cool for just episodic, tight, right. high concept stories. So I like a lot of those fiction podcasts. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I also listen to bad movie podcasts. I have a, discovered a weakness for that. Interesting. I, I like those, but only if I've seen the bad movies. I've I, seen a lot of bad movies. Well, there you go. There you go. You're the, you're the target demographic for that. I, I worked for, at a video store for five years, so I've seen all the movies, really. Uh, good and bad. 
Weird I, ones. A lot of weird, weird movies. Fearless. They used to be marked Fearless in the video store back when we had you video remember. stores. You remember. Yeah. I love that at, section. At Alternative Video Spot, the Fearless Film section. That's right. I stalked it, man. I dusted that shelf. Uh, I know who to blame. <laughs> the yeah. uh, uh, there's uh, the Flop House is a great one, as well as How Did This Get Made? And they uh-huh. both they're both uh, uh, staffed by either actors yeah. or writers, and so they do have a certain flair. But they definitely go for that. We're just a bunch of friends, and we have reactions and feelings to this horrible experience we just went through, sure. uh, which is yeah. precious in and of itself. I I think that's one of the chief virtues of podcasting, really, especially in the pandemic era, uh, because we want to feel like we're hanging out with a bunch of buddies. And with this, you can invite them you know, into your car or your living room or wherever uh, that feels like they're right there with you. I suppose in a way it, it has the same magic, right? The same um, aura as, as radio, uh, the, the golden age of radio, because you know, you'd, you'd really feel like they were coming right into your home. Um, aliens, perhaps. Someone much smarter than me said, we read books to know that we're not alone. And I think there's a certain sense of connection uh, even though you're not interacting directly with a person, mm-hmm. to surround yourself with content of whatever form, including podcasts, of people that you can imagine, yeah, I'd love to hang out with these people. This is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're welcoming you a little bit into into their world. And just like novels, uh, a lot of the audio medium, it's designed to invoke your imagination. So I can feel like I'm hanging out with these guys, but I, I don't actually know what they look like. I guess I could find out, but I don't care. Uh, I in, I imagine their environments. I imagine them. Um, there's another podcast I listen to from time to time called Hello from the Magic Tavern. I definitely have listened to that, yes. Yeah. So improv, uh, you know, and if those guys weren't actors to start with, they certainly are, you know, five seasons into it. Uh, and they get improv actor guest stars on all the time. Um, but that's theater of the mind. Like that's them being able to invent whatever environment they want to and having a blast while doing it. I love that stuff. And they're definitely professional. You can tell if you, there's a big crossover between hello from the magic tavern and Jackbox games. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I, I will, I like to play the game spot the voice actor whenever playing Jackbox ah. games, because it's always a character from hello from the magic tavern. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> there's also um, uh, mission to Zix is a terrific one. It's an improvised sci-fi yep. epic podcast. Yep. Yep. And I'm in that one, they even go farther with the, the mm-hmm. post-production on it. They really, oh, yeah. they clip it uh, down to the, 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 the gold and then they mm-hmm. uh, excessively soundtrack an incidental sound effect. It, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. really cool because it gives you this feeling of being in something of Star Wars in terms of its purported grandeur. But right. then most of the humor is just about how uh, lame and bad at their jobs everyone is right right that's great um yeah i was gonna say about the the foley right using sound effects to to build that environment uh that goes back to your guru and mine uh, douglas adams um when he was writing hitchhiker's guide as a radio series and and realized you can almost see the moments in the screen the scripts where he realizes i can write whatever the hell i want and and like all they need to do is make some funny sounds 
and we can be you know anywhere absolutely anywhere or everywhere at once yeah i want the hitchhiker's guide to be a rock album i think is the way he expressed it uh Uh, yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) of course you still do have to uh pay attention to the limitations of radio coming up with ways to say what's Mm. happening to the audience without a ridiculous Mm. amount of exposition saying i noticed that you've pulled a gun on me uh some of that could be filled with sound effects and some of it's Mm -hmm. just about creative say yeah. uh, creative acting yeah yeah showing not telling and mm-hmm. uh yeah as a playwright i i get into that sometimes too i think their D or live play has the advantage because you have to tell me when your barbarian is drawing his weapon uh, there's <laughs> there's there's a there's a framing narration uh that's baked right into it uh so we're not we're not quite telling an audio drama where you know we're just in character the whole time i wonder if that would work it sounds tough to to try and do a D session where we're just in character the whole time like we could we could type yeah. each other instructions behind the screen just dialogue just dialogue i think we could do that but mm-hmm. only if we were willing to be really brutal about the editing uh, oh, to yeah. take out all the middle sections right right um, and and laird would never stand for it uh we we wouldn't get away with it um what what would it what would he be his principal objection uh I don't know that it sucks, I guess. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. He's he's a he's a, a role play purist. Uh and you know, God love him for that. He he believes in sitting down at the table and just being buddies together while you're killing skeletons. Um so yeah, he's maybe the opposite of a role play purist. He's like a role play rebel or something I, I i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say david what i'm trying to say stop interrupting me <laughs> is, uh, is that he would view uh total in character role play as uh a, a, a breach of the basic laws of playing D yeah that, that he's he's adopted in his head based on i don't know when he was a kid it would certainly be something different it would be yeah. a uh uh a dramaturgical experiment almost, whether you could mm-hmm. do a D&D session with the right set of rules that ultimately create a dramatic experience for an audience that does not know that this is a role-playing experience. Yeah. Uh, I can see a bunch of like-minded people have, making a go of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it wouldn't be the same. It would not be... You'd have to be in it not just for the fun of playing a game. Right, and, right. Uh, yeah, I, your I priorities think, change. Yeah, most of us, I think, are just wanting mm-hmm. to play a game mm-hmm. and and i i'm it's it's fun so long as all we got to do is hit record right yeah yeah that's right um on the opposite end of the spectrum uh i recently tried uh, a campaign using the fate rule system and fate is a a what's it called a genre agnostic system uh mm-hmm. of role playing and it's well without getting too deep into it um it it expects everyone at the table to sort of agree in advance what kind of story they want to tell and what the basic beats of the story will be um so you know a good example is uh, a bunch of firefly fans all decide they want to sit down and play an episode of firefly and so they all take on characters, you know, or, or maybe it's just in the Firefly universe, but, but they, they, t- they agree to tell the story using the same kind of beats and structure that an episode would have. And that involves a lot of conversations with the, the GM about what's going to happen 
over the course of a, a scene, for instance. You know, like is, is this is this similar at all to the experience of improv? You know, where you're supposed to we're going to mm-hmm. do a scene, it obeys these constraints, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. go, or is it is it much a more bit. planned than that? A little bit like that. I, I guess you could do it either way. Um, but I think that the one of the base mechanics is that the GM can compel players to do a certain thing if it serves the GM's idea of the narrative. So if let's say we're playing a kind of film noir thing and I see that your character and Jason's character uh, should take this moment, you know, after the shootout to kiss passionately, if you don't want to do that, I can. No, I'm I can fine actually, with that. I just want to be clear. I'm absolutely fine yeah, with that. Yeah, but I can, I can, bri- <laughs> I can bribe you with a fate point in order to compel your character to do that. If right. it's not too out of character, you know, I wouldn't. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's 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 this sort of um, monetization of the debates that might happen in a writer's room where people are going, well, is this the right time for them to kiss? No, no, let's not have them kiss yet because I want to, you know, leap out this window first. Oh, you got to leap out the window? Okay, we'll do it this way. You know, and it's, to me, it's like half role-playing and half kind of crafting the, the, the screenplay version of the game that you're playing right there. Yeah, yeah. It's it. part of the challenge with, straight improv and i think this is similar to the cha- uh, challenge in gaming is that uh while there is a notion of where we're trying to get to you don't always quite get there you, you oh, yeah. have a certain set of ingredients you play with the ingredients everyone right. bounces off each other and you end up where you end up mm-hmm. which is great for feeling empowered in the moment it's great for uh inconsistencies and whims which can be funny yeah, yeah. uh but it's not great at telling a compelling dramatic story or at least right if it is Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that formula. Uh, maybe it's just a <laughs> if, lack of imagination. It, it, if it is, it happens uh, incidentally or or through a stroke of luck, rather than being the the the, the core of the moment. And yeah, that's be, yeah, that's it, very it, true of improv. I think. Yeah, um, it'd be fascinating to play with what is that minimal set right. of extra constraints or mechanics when places on it to try to get those moments and that directed result. Um, yeah. I've yeah. never seen such a thing attempted, so I just don't even know where to start. Well, you have to take away the the pure random chance of dice first thing, because if you're trying to role play or improv your way through a thoroughly satisfying story, uh, the dice are going to betray you. They're, inevitably, they're going to fuck you over. Um, but we keep rolling dice partly because we keep hoping for that moment where they don't, right? Where they serve the story perfectly. You know, the 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 last Hail Mary attack that rolls the natural 20 against the big bad. Um, that's, you know, that's kind of the heart of why we why we play D&D is for those moments. And Keith Johnson, who wrote the the Bible of improv, uh, says that's why you you come back to improv. It's not because of all of the scenes that kind of go, yeah, that's pretty much what we expected or yeah, we got some laughs. It's because you take roulette and once in a hundred times you have a scene where everything just goes bang right when you need it. And it's like a drug. It's, you know, it's, it's endorphins, uh, out all of your, your orifices. Um, is that how endorphins work? That is not how endorphins work. I'm happy to say, I remember that, um, uh, Stephen mutual friend of ours used to say that, uh, he had a habit of when whatever his first idea was when he was trying to bring a character realize a character uh-huh. he would deliberately 
break that and do the opposite because it's too easy to get into uh, logical methods of thinking, which takes you down the same paths, and you can mistake habitual for logical. Um, Having that random element in there is a great challenge to have. It gets you, it it brings in elements that you may not have considered that you need to play with and fit into the story, um, if used the right way anyway. I think that some amount of pushing of all the players and the DM would be still valuable in coming up with something that feels lively and fresh. Uh, Although, to your point, if you rely on that for all key decisions, then uh, you're not going to get anywhere necessarily meaningful. The players have a a, a cheat that they can use in the mechanics of 5th edition. They can use an inspiration point to give themselves advantage on a roll. So in that one moment where it's dramatically appropriate to not fuck up, you can invoke that. You can use your inspiration. And the DM, of course, behind the screen can just cheat, right? We can just fudge something if if I decide that it's not the perfect moment for the big bad to go down, he should survive for one more round, then I can just secretly add 20 hit points. Um, so everybody at the table has something that they can do to either fight against fate or or help to shape that story a little bit, if they want to. And again... Yeah, and I would have thought that actually gives plenty of scope because the number of times that... Like, die rolls are normally about how successful is your attack. That does not... Uh, yeah. change the flow of the story it's actually comparatively rare that a die roll is a thing that truly shapes the story so i wonder whether the the kinds of tools we need are already there what all one really needs to add is the will and the plan to do so we're going to mm-hmm. err, err less toward surprising the players mm-hmm. and more toward this is a collaborative storytelling. Where we're going to get yeah, to yeah, is yeah. here, just so you know. How we're going to get there, we don't right. know. <laughs> and and honestly, I think that's one of the reasons that I've always loved Ravenloft, to bring it back to that, because it's a setting and an adventure with the genre stamped right on its forehead, right? It It's, you know, so many other modules can be done hack and slash, they can be done psychodrama, they can be done, you know, and, and, and to their benefit, like that, sh- that open-endedness should exist. But when you get to Ravenloft, you know, no, this is gothic horror. Uh, this is, you know, everybody who sits down at the table knows that they are going to put their characters through some kind of hell. Um, and, and that suspense and fighting a being that's far more powerful, like that's all all going to be part of it. Um, in another podcast, I'll, I'll talk about what I know. I'll, yeah. No, sorry, I will um, I'll, I'll mansplain gothic horror um, in more detail. But... There's no one else I'd rather have mansplain gothic horror to me than you. Scott. Oh, thank you. That's the <laughs> nicest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> the, I, I have long felt that the uh, best settings for RPGs uh, whether that's computer RPGs, tabletop RPGs, or pulp fiction ones, B-movies, the kinds yeah. of things where a ton of derivative stories yeah. have already been told because that is what arms the players with yeah. knowing what the rules of this world it's... are. Not the gameplay mechanic rules, yeah. but the yeah. Yeah. what is the spectrum of possibility and choice in this? Because yeah. without knowing that... The choices before you can feel arbitrary and random, and you can just feel punished for doing yeah. something that seems straightforward to you, but actually violates the spirit of the genre. I agree 100%. 
and and walking into a, a gaming scenario, whether it's a video game or, or an RPG, and and being able to see all of those tropes available to you, like being able to reach out and access them, that's like candy store stuff for for genre savvy players. Like it 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 does. It gives them x-ray specs and they can sort of see the 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 workings of the narrative in a way that they wouldn't otherwise get it it can still be fun to subvert those narratives obviously to you know to do tropes in unexpected ways um but but just yeah allowing them to go in and go oh okay i'm basically playing my way through a friday the 13th film you know this is a slasher film and so as slasher films go i can expect all of these rules to apply and and that gives them it gives them narrative power it gives them narrative choice yeah it's great informed choices are really the only meaningful choices uh Mm -hmm. otherwise it just feels like fate happens to you which is a Mm -hmm. very realistic concept it's just not as much fun no it's not interesting (laughs) when you're telling stories it's not (laughs) because because real life is random but that's why we escape into stories (laughs) exactly exactly we we hate that Strodcast is produced by Slack and Slash Productions. We're based in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, also known as Unamagi, the unceded and ancestral territory of the Mi'kmaq people. Other participants have joined the podcast remotely using Zoom from Treaty 6 land, a.k.a. Alberta, as well as Seminole Territory, a.k.a. Florida. We're honored and grateful to live and work on native land. They're called First Nations for a reason. Our campaign is inspired by, and uses material from, both Curse of Strahd Revamped, published by Wizards of the Coast, and the Curse of Strahd Legendary Edition, published by Beetle and Grimms. Special thanks to Laura and Tracy Hickman for writing I-6 Ravenloft, the module that started it all. Let us know what you think of us. You can find us at slackandslashpod.com. Or search us on Facebook or Twitter using the same phrase, Slack and Slash Pod, all one word. If you like what we do, please rate or review us on the podcast platform where you found us. Until next time, thanks for listening. Be brave and shine bright. Shine bright.